Am I on? All right. Yes. Okay. Well, good morning. Beth mentioned the word gratitude. And I am grateful, grateful to be here with all of you this morning uh, in the presence of Jesus. Very thankful. You remember that first time that your uh, parents let you take the car out for a drive, you know, by yourself for the very first time? Well, that's, that's kind of how it is right now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of like that. And, and I've already told Eric this, so he's heard it, but um, even though he's uh, younger than me, I just want to say to him in these moments, uh, thanks, Dad. You know, <clears throat> so I appreciate it. We should pray. Jesus, thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, come down right now and invade our presence. May you stir our hearts and say through me what you want to say. Even if it's off script, Lord, just have your way in us this, in these moments. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So, have you ever felt afraid for your very life? Like fearful of a situation that was out of your control? Uh, I had one moment like that. Uh, I'm a runner. I ran with Eric once upon a time when he first came to town and he thought I lived at the other ends of the earth, you know, not realizing how big the springs was. But uh, running and racing roads and trails has been a part of my life since the mid-80s. And 15 years ago, on a, on a Saturday in June, I was racing up to the top of Mount Evans here in our state, uh, doing the Mount Evans ascent. The, the day was great. I felt great, everything was great, until it wasn't great. <laughs> and the temperature dropped, the winds picked up, uh, and it began to snow. So I pressed on, and I was in summer mode, right? I had shorts and t-shirt on. Uh, and as I got into the last few miles of the race, I started feeling really cold, and even a little bit sluggish. Uh, and it occurred to me for the very first time ever in my life that this experience could end up very badly. And I wasn't really sure if I was going to make it in that moment. In John chapter 14, the disciples are fearful as well. Uh, Jesus has just told them that he's going to leave and where he's going, they can't follow. At, at least not for now. So... Doubts and fears probably had to creep up in their mind, you know. Okay, now what are we going to do? How are we going to go on? You know, have we put our faith in the right person, in the right message? Um, if they'd been at the racetrack, they might have said something like, well, if we bet on the right horse. Not so sure. So, perhaps our own hearts have given rise to that kind of fear as well. You know, um, how can I be sure of my eternal destiny? Uh, what is truth? Am I living right the right way? How can I live this Christian walk with greater assurance, uh, more confidence and boldness? So let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Jesus is speaking words of comfort to his disciples now and to us. John, chapter 14. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that where you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus would say to the disciples and to us, yes, we have bet on the right horse. Jesus tells his disciples that he is the way. Now, the disciples are bewildered at Jesus' words. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Well, Jesus answers and he comforts all of us like this. He says, I am the way. I am the only way to your eternal home. Jesus is our hope, our assurance that there will be a someday, a someday that there will be no more sickness, no more death, no more loss, no more pain, no more tears, no more despair. A life of intimacy and fellowship with Jesus that will never end. He is the way to that. Notice verses 2 and 3 of our text. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, many rooms can be translated as dwelling places. So, my friends, this is a beautiful picture of permanency, ample provision. And this assurance we have of our eternal home is set against a backdrop of fellowship. Jesus is always, always about relationship. The message, the rhythm that Jesus is holding out to us and bidding us enter into is of relationship and connectedness. Verses 11 and 12 speak to this. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. 
For I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I'm going to come back to that passage, that, those few verses a little later on with a different emphasis. But question time, who have we received because Jesus has gone to the Father? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Free cup of coffee. Thank you, Logan. I don't actually know if I can do that. I don't know. <clears throat> I, but... But, but go, go for it. You know, yeah, just <clears throat> try it. Yes, we have received the Holy Spirit. God in Jesus. Jesus in us. His Holy Spirit. And the joy of forever fellowship in Him. There is hope for the future, my friends. Assurance. And there is hope for the here and now. Now, Paul wrote a short letter to Titus, a fellow named Titus, and in his opening remarks, uh, he talks to Titus about a mutual faith, this mutual faith of ours, and it's in your outline, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised from before the beginning of time. So my friends, we may rest in the promise of God. The life we've been living together in Jesus, the life that all may enter into is a life that does not end. It never ends. Jesus is asking us to trust him on this, to take a step of faith. And what does that look like? Well, here's one way it looks like. I'll rely on the sound folks to do this. We have a, a classic image from a classic movie uh, of a demonstration of faith. So let's watch this. Wow. Wow. That's a step of faith. Do you need assurance today? Do you need assurance that your path is secure? Jesus is asking you to take that step. Trust him in this. Jesus also tells the disciples that he's the truth. Jesus is the revelation of God, Father God, to us. It's been said 
that Jesus is the is perfect theology, that he is the perfect representation of God the Father and who he is and what his heart is for us. Perhaps the disciples are feeling a little bit better now, but they remain confused. And then Philip chimes in. He says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Now, you know, I can understand this. I can identify with Philip. We all want to understand God more. How many times have we all reached out for God wanting something more tangible? Something that we can wrap our hearts and our minds around. Philip here is asking for a direct revelation of God. But you know, Jesus has been all throughout this time is that the disciples actively painting a beautiful portrait of God the Father. Because he says, Philip, don't you know me even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you aren't just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me. You know, many people perceive Jesus a little differently than they perceive Father God. That Jesus is someone we can get a little closer to. But as I mentioned, Jesus has been demonstrating to the disciples and to us what God the Father is like. His words and actions convey a beautiful image of that heart of Father God to us. And I want to look at a few of those images uh, from your outline, John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at a well. And this is a very familiar story. She is a, a Samaritan woman. So that means there are ancient racial tensions at work here, uh, ongoing conflict for hundreds of years. She comes to the, the well at midday, uh, by herself, which some scholars would say is a bit unusual. Perhaps she's a social outcast. Well, Jesus receives from Father God in those moments information about this person, about her past. So now he knows. Now he knows everything she's done. He knows the story. So what does Jesus do? He talks to this person about water. Jesus answered to the woman, everyone who drinks this water, the well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So all that she's ever done, who she is, all of that fades away. It doesn't matter to Jesus. It fades away against the backdrop of the invitation that Jesus calls her to. This is a portrait of what God's like. This is a portrait of his heart for you and for me. Another image of Father God from Luke 19. Now, this is a very familiar story, uh, the story of Zacchaeus. <clears throat> this 
story takes me back to my young childhood, uh, sitting in Sunday school, hearing about Zacchaeus, singing about Zacchaeus, and I told some people I would do this. You ever hear this story? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Anybody remember that one? <laughs> yep. All right. All right. Zacchaeus probably didn't have many friends among the Israelites. Luke tells us that he was rich. He probably became so against a backdrop of excess tax collection. And he had authority to do this. It was backed up by brute Roman force. But in these moments, he's probably risking his safety, running through the crowd, looking to seek a higher vantage point, looking to seek Jesus. And Jesus pursues him in return. From Luke 19, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus invites Zacchaeus to fellowship, to relationship. Again, this is a... Hello? Okay, so back to Zacchaeus. Jesus is inviting him to fellowship, to relationship. Now, I have permission to tell this next story from my lovely wife and my daughter, as I asked them both. In 2010, uh, our daughter Morgan was very ill. She had been to doctors and specialists, and Dana and I were uh, in despair along with her. We were in struggling and enduring this. Uh, doctors and specialists had not been able to put a finger on the root cause uh, of why she was ill. We were into the month of May, and Morgan had been bedridden since June. So. We wanted to believe, but we both were having uh, feelings of doubt and despair and even anger. And one night, Dana went to bed and had just fallen asleep when she was awakened. Let me go over here. 
Isn't that big? Okay. All right, then no more. Okay. Is that loud? It feels like a boom. Okay. <clears throat> is it good? Okay. All right. So, so Dana is woken up suddenly with a strong sense of God telling her that, yes, he will heal Morgan. But he wants her to praise him. He wants an offering of praise from her. So Dana resolved to do this. And she did it and did it. And you know what happened? Nothing. Morgan didn't get better. Dana resolved to persist. Praising God, even when she didn't feel like it, and I didn't feel like it. I'm not just going to throw her under the bus because I was feeling the same way. By the way, that breakthrough did happen. It happened in this very sanctuary on a Wednesday night or Sunday night worship and prayer service. So praise God for that. But Dana told me that during those times when it wasn't happening, when there wasn't breakthrough, that she felt something shift in her. She started to feel a deep-seated peace that defied and transcended the current reality. A deeper trust in who God is and who he wanted to be for us. Father God didn't want to put Dana in time out because of doubt and fear. Instead, he invited her to know him more deeply. This also is a portrait of God's heart for us. In all of these moments, Jesus doesn't offer condemnation. He offers encounter. Encounter with him, the author of restoration, renewal, and deliverance. This is the heart of God, my friends. This is his heart for you and for me. In John 8, Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And in our text today, John 14, Jesus says, I am the truth. Do you need assurance today of Father God's heart for you? Jesus is the truth, and he's asking you to reach out to him and seek him. Now, Jesus also tells the disciples that he is the life. Jesus is the source of real life, the source of empowered living. I said I'd come back to these verses, verses 12 through 14. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, anything, and I will do it. This is the journey that Pastor Eric is leading us into. This is the embracement of more in Jesus, the indwelling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Peter declares this empowered life in his second letter from chapter 1 of 2 Peter. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who are called by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine, in the divine nature. Excuse me. 
Now, she's not here today, but I, I, I told her I would share this story, and she gave me permission. Uh, our own Veda Riley and I had the privilege of a mission trip in 2014 to India. And the very first day that we got there was a Sunday, and there were five of us, three of us from the U.S., two from England, and just getting to know each other. And the one thing that we didn't want to happen or didn't hope would happen that day actually did. We all got separated. We all got split up and got into five different cars with five different pastors and went five different places throughout a city bigger than Denver. And I was with Pastor Rafiq. He shepherds a beautiful church family and I was in awe of his faith. I gave a talk to the gathering there at his church and afterward he directed my attention to some folks who were standing over by the side of the platform, some 15 or so. And he says to me, he says, in the, he has this very matter of fact voice, you know, that was almost surreal. He just says, okay, these people are going to have you uh, pray healing for them, you know? And I, I, I almost looked around as if to see if someone else was there, you know, because he's saying it to me. He's like, They're going to have you pray for healing for them. What I did do in those moments was I just said a quick prayer of my own. I said, okay, God, none of my team is here. This is just you and me. And this is for your glory. And so then I did. I, I prayed for them. And honestly, I didn't really feel anything different in those moments at that time. However, I saw Pastor Rafiq one week later. Uh, our, our time there had us traveling by overnight train through India, which, by the way, is a very interesting journey. If you ever want to do it, I recommend it. <clears throat> it's quite, quite unique. But one week later, we had come back full circle to our point of origin in the city of Hyderabad. And Pastor Rafiq was there. So he comes up to me, and he sits down beside me, and he says to me again, in that very matter-of-fact voice he has, in, in a way that indicated he expected nothing less, personally. He says, oh, by, by the way, some of those people that you prayed for, they were healed. <laughs> you know, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Now, folks, I'm not special. That was not me. But Jesus has given us that very job description. You and I are called and equipped to represent the kingdom of God in power to our world. Represent Jesus in power through the Holy Spirit indwelling you, living in you. And just in case you might think that this call isn't for you, notice uh, from your outline, Acts chapter 2, Peter, speaking to the crowd at Pentecost, says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call.
all whom the Lord our God will call. That means you. So you can look at your neighbor. Doesn't Eric do this? Yeah, look at your neighbor and go, that, you know, that means you. That, that means you. <clears throat> you are recipients and participants of the divine nature. The spirit of Jesus inhabiting your very being. Anytime you pray for someone, anytime you pray for a family member, a friend, a coworker, a stranger, in the name of Jesus. Anytime you offer comfort in the name of Jesus. Anytime you lend a hand in the name of Jesus, I want you to know the host of heaven goes with you when you do that. Jesus is life. He is life to the fullest. Are you feeling powerless this morning? Jesus is inviting you to seek him anew. Ask for a fresh invasion of his presence. Now, obviously, I was rescued that day uh, on the mountain uh, a while back. Uh, last couple hundred yards of the race, a gentleman in a parka kind of stepped right in my way, and he literally slapped me across the face, which actually I was thankful for. It woke me up out of my hypothermic stupor. Almost like I was in a dream, and I got into a pickup with the heater on. <laughs> I felt really good, <laughs> really good. Uh, and I made my way to the finish line and ultimately back home. My friends, Jesus is your assurance of your way home this morning. He is the way. Jesus is the revelation of God's heart for you. He's the truth. Jesus is your source for empowered living. He is the life. So, Beth and worship team, that's all I have for this morning. Uh, <clears throat> you can tell Eric. Um, now, we're going to enter into a time of communion. And afterward, our prayer team is going to love to pray for you up front. What do you need to, today? Do you need assurance of your destiny, of your path? Do you need to rediscover God's heart for you? Do you need to awaken again your anointing or calling, that empowerment in Jesus for your life and what that means? Well, I invite you to come because you will find all that you need at God's table. Amen. Thank you, Scott. If the elders would like to come forward, we have um, a very special member of our congregation, Oral, who turned 101 yesterday. And I, it just strikes me because when Jesus told his disciples, do this in remembrance of me, that word that we translated as remembrance means, in, in the Greek, it means you do it over and over. It's not a one-time thing. Remembrance means you can come to it any time, and you're supposed to do it over and over. So can you imagine, I mean, it, 
we could only hope that this could be our life. Oral took communion for the first time when she was nine. That means she's been coming to Jesus' table for 92 years. She has been obeying his command of remembrance, doing this in remembrance for 92 years on this earth. That is a, such an incredible hope to me. I hope it's an incredible hope to you as well. Um, Jesus, when he told the disciples, when he said, very truly, I remember it was 